This is an ABC podcast. My mouse pad is going to be a treasury of Australian landscape painting by William I saw that before. William we had that Slatt in our house. And that, Barbara Burton. That font, the, like I had memories as soon as I saw that font. <laughs> on. Oh, hello, Zan. Is that too abrupt? <laughs> that was. I'm a bit all sorts because full disclosure, mm. uh, we've regressed and we are recording today's Bang On episode in my family home. Your childhood home. <laughs> because this morning <laughs> at 7.30, the next door neighbours decided to, well, some tradies at the next door neighbours decided to load up the old drill and then the angle grinder. Oh. And I thought they'd be done four hours later, yeah. but I was wrong. I got a text from you like, I don't know, it was 9 or 8.30 or something. said, it's a bit of noise, but I'm like, yeah, no, it'll be fine. That's funny. <laughs> I, just got, got I got there and went, and Zan's face is ashen. <laughs> She's like, Ugh. you know, just sad. I could tell it was like, because when that stuff happens, it just keeps, it's in your brain. Yeah. Once you're aware of it. And, and it in was your really, podcast, it if was, you happen to be recording a podcast. It was really loud. Yeah. And then I went and had a chat with them and, it, and the options were not going to be good. No. And here we are. We're at your parents' place. I Thank love Thank God. It. I feel very at home. Yeah. I've got the, the piano that I used to play badly to my left. <laughs> Chopsticks. Got the... Da, 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 Never learned how to read music. Um, I've got the couches that I've hung around and had a nice sat, sat with your glass first of boyfriend and, <laughs> held, and held fingers, just little fingers. <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> As if my first boyfriend ever came back to my family home. No <laughs> way. How embarrassing. I know. Well, but kids do that these days. They're, they're fine with it with their parents. Who knows? It's because kids have to live at home with their parents till they're 30 because you can't actually yeah. move out. You can't afford to buy a house or rent. <laughs> so true. But look, like speaking of at home, last week, the most exciting thing happened to you at your home. Oh, my God. And I haven't spoken to you on purpose about it because yeah. I wanted to hold off. <laughs> Gardening Australia came to your house and filmed all day last Thursday. It happened. How was it? It was amazing. Mm. I feel empowered and I know that sounds like a dicky thing to say but it's kind of like people have talked to me before about when they learn a language and there's that moment where the gate unlocks and everything Mm. makes sense. I feel like the gate was unlocking with my gardening knowledge because I've been living in this new house for a year and learning this garden that I inherited, which is just this insane, beautiful Mm. space that I desperately am trying not to kill. And I've been chipping away at things, but having Jane Edmondson, who is literally a legend, like she's got an order of Australia. She's one of the most amazing horticulturalists. She's been on Gardening Australia for 32 years. Mm. Having her come in and confirm what I thought about the garden, tell me I was doing the right thing, Mm. tell me my soil was in good health. Oh, that's good. That was a kicker. And show me ways that I can just take care of it and also make it my own. It was such a huge confidence Ah. booster. And God, she's amazing. I love her so much. So I had the best day ever. That's so nice. Yeah, it was unreal. I'm wrapped. She brought me cuttings from her garden. (gasps) I've got Jane in my garden. Have you really? I haven't killed her or anything. No, I was going to say, yeah. (laughs) I don't know when it's going to air. I'll let you know. I'll let Bang Fam know. I think this is one of the most exciting things that my friends say I've ever done. Well, that's I've had work colleagues reach out to me who I haven't heard from in years. Mm. Well, when you do stuff like that because it's out of your ballpark, like people don't give – my family don't give a shit if I'm on telly or doing anything. (laughs) Like I don't even tell them anymore, you know. Mum gets upset, oh, you did this and you didn't tell me. And I'm like – but I don't think anyone cares anymore because it's just what I do and they probably don't really want to watch it or, or whatever. But then when you do something completely out of the ballpark, people lose their minds. Like Bluey. Like Bluey. Like who, who knew? <laughs> <laughs> Bluey is pretty amazing and though. Like when you tell little kids, when their parents tell 
them in front of me that I'm on it. And I don't even think they know who Aunt Trixie is. They might actually. They're pretty obsessive about it. Yeah. Um, they just like look at you like uh, their eyes are big and <laughs> then they start to smile and then they get... <laughs> Then they get nervous and shy and it's the cutest thing but then they get really excited and it's just, it's seriously the cutest thing. It's a nice reminder too that little things that you do in your life, you know, sometimes you sort of need to see them through the eyes of other people and I was legitimately so excited about Mm. Gardening Australia and I know that you're legitimately so excited about being one of the voices of Bluey, which is huge. But, yeah, it's nice when you see it through other people's eyes. Um, so, um, yeah, I'm excited. I reckon the garden's going to look better than it ever has too. The guy that was shooting it. it just rained that does, day too, I, which would yeah. have looked beautiful. The, the, the flowers were in full bloom, the Daytura flowers that I've got in the backyard. Don't worry, I do not boil them up and drink them. I'm not that person. I didn't Gosh plant it. them <laughs> as if I would. <laughs> they look beautiful though and, yeah. Can um, you get high on Daytura? That was one of the first things that when I had Vivi, the Bang Fam horticulturalist yeah. that came over, she was like, do not eat these. Oh, really? You will get very sick. Just sick or, or fun sick? No, like a little <laughs> bit high but mainly sick. Can I, just before we get into the week, this might be going a little bit long, but I went on a plane for the first time on Monday. Ever? To Sydney. Yeah, ever. Yeah. Did you go on a mystery flight? I did, a mystery <laughs> flight. And I got to go to Canberra. Um, <laughs> no, I didn't. Um, I just went, I had a work day trip, so I flew. And, um, you know, it's been pretty weird. I haven't flown since March. Yeah. And on your recommendation, I watched the new series of Queer Eye. And I've been a bit weepy lately. So I was like, <laughs> in my mask, you know, in my, whatever you call the 95 mask. <laughs> and I was weeping. <laughs> on the plane, on my own, but then I swallowed a bit of saliva because I was weeping <laughs> and I had the most ginormous coughing fit like, no, I, like I had COVID. <laughs> uh, it was the most humiliating thing and I knew you would have loved that because I was watching Queer Eye on your recommendation and it was beautiful. It's so beautiful. Yeah. Boil your eyes out. <laughs> I'm already crying. Like I'm was, still drip feeding like, myself episodes because I, I don't want to go through it all too quickly, but it's so good. Yeah, so good. So, so good. So, yeah. But speaking of Canberra, big things happened in Canberra. Yeah, and I mean, we've spoken a lot about Brittany Higgins and Grace Tame's advocacy and influence over the past year, but for good reason, because Tuesday's National Press Club address was just such another breathtaking display of their strength Mm. as people speaking out against a system of power that has let a lot of people down for far too long. And there was such clarity to both of their speeches. Mm. They really articulated how the systems have failed us and, importantly, what needs to be done to change them. They outlined it very clearly. And I think that in the follow-up, I don't know if you've seen this, I'll put the full speech in the show notes if you haven't. I highly recommend you watch this half an hour, 40 minutes of these two speeches. Some of the media focused on Grace Tame's revelations of a threatening phone call Mm. that she got from a government-funded organisation, but to do that I thought really missed the bulk of what they both said, which was, you know, that real-world actions on how to dismantle systems of power that have allowed children and women to be victims of sexual abuse is what's needed, Mm. not words, but actions. Yeah. And in those final days, if you think about the context in which this National Press Club address happened, these are the final days of Parliament sitting, which are only sitting for, what is it, 10 days. It's a very short period before they break for however long and then an election's going to be called and it's all on. And they kept that foot on the pedal that we've been talking about. You know, this has been a big discussion for many years, decades, but particularly in the last year. And when there's all these other things swirling around pre-election, they really put it back onto the agenda. I was just breathless watching this. Yeah, and I, 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 
watching it too, I was, I'm so impressed by them both given their life experience to have, have the guts to stand there and, and face it every time. Like that's, that's just difficult in, in a private life, you know, mm. let alone in a public way. And, and their strength is, well, it's unbelievable really. Um, and they were clear, clear is clear. Yeah. And it's about not just changing the structures in parliament, which was more Britney's vibe on the whole thing. Uh, hers was this needs to change and this is how we do it. And there was, it was results driven. Yeah. Which I really liked too because I, I think they both were saying none of these words matter anymore unless we actually do something. And it's the changing of words, you know, in constitutions and legally that fixes things, not, not a, a committee not a, a, an investigation. Mm. Um, and it's interesting you mentioned about that phone call that was made to Grace Tame and encouraging her to stay quiet. Mm. She's actually tweeted today because an investigation has been called. Um, the Morrison government have called for an investigation to find out who made that phone call. But Grace has then tweeted just before saying, Scott conducting an investigation into who made the phone call is the very same embedded structural silence in culture that drove the call in the first place and misses the point entirely. Um, she goes on to say, stop deflecting. It's not about the person who made the call. It's the fact they felt like they had to do it, which is also encapsulates the idea of people staying silent mm. because they feel like they have to do it. And that's that was the main gist of, of both of their speeches. The silence and their is stories. deafening. And, and their stories. And their stories. And yeah, But the silence in, in the workplace is deafening and has been for too long and no amount of kind of making it cosy and talking about it's going to fix that. Mm. It's, it's, we really have to look at how to fix entire structures. And also do that beyond those short-term terms of government. You know, mm. this was another thing that we, I think we know, but again, always worth being reminded that those short-term election winning tactics of politics where it's, you know, a little tidbit here and there, it's like, we're going to mm. give you a cash payment for this. This is going to happen in the next year. But the harder things take longer. Yeah. We know that. And they're often and increasingly not being tackled because they won't necessarily keep a government in power. And that's kind of increasingly seems to be what both sides or all sides of government want to get in power. Because if you're in power, you can make change. Mm. But if that change is only ever something that is instigated within the term of a government, that can never really attack these solutions that will take mm. a generation to solve. Yeah. And that's a really hard answer, but it's the truth. And they really articulated that as well, these Absolutely. longer pans, plans and solutions that just fall by the wayside more and more. Well, vision. Vision. Like governing with vision towards a future for the children of this country mm. rather than, I don't know, politicising what is essentially one of the most awful things that can happen to a person, sexual abuse. How on earth that has been politicised is astounding to me. Like we should be, everybody should be thanking Grace and Brittany for, for speaking out, you mm. know. It shouldn't, they shouldn't be divisive figures and, and they both mentioned that they, by, by speaking up they are divisive or considered divisive and it shouldn't be. The figures that should be divisive are the people who enact these behaviours on children and and vulnerable people on on mi minorities or or women or it's 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 we've got it all wrong. Well, the very act of speaking out is what Brittany Higgins has said drove her to speak out. Mm. Hearing Grace Tame's Australian of the Year speech encouraged her to speak out, and no mm. doubt the two of them and the power that they have and the strength that they have shown in their vulnerability and in sharing their stories 
and coming up with and working with a lot of different groups of mm. how to enact change, that will just encourage more. And Patricia Carvellis actually nailed this. She wrote a great analysis on the ABC News website where she said towards the end, what is clear is that the rules have been broken and a younger generation of women will not wait for permission to speak any longer. Mm. Grace Tame said it herself at the end of her speech, which then got a five-minute standing ovation, yeah. make, <laughs> make some, some noise. noise. Absolutely. And people are going to make noise, and that is terrifying for a lot of people in yeah. power, but that ball has started rolling. Yeah, and it's not going to stop. And I, I, I just, it's hard to find the words how brave, you know, I hate the word brave, it's, it's so cliche, but they're fucking brave, you yeah. know. They're really brave. I couldn't do what they're doing. I just watch it. If you haven't yet, watch it. We'll put the link in the show mm. notes. It is astounding, astounding mm. oh. television. <laughs> what a speech. What, what a, a couple of amazing yeah. speeches. Yeah, And also a sign that two people can come from both sides of a divide, I assume politically, they probably don't think alike necessarily, um, as Brittany was a staffer for the Liberal Party and Grace, I suspect, probably might lean in another direction, whatever, but you can actually work together mm towards a cause, yeah. regardless of where you stand on the political spectrum. And that to me is is just absolutely wonderful too. It's good to see. I watched something on Netflix on your recommendation. Well, on, I got the recommendation the, from Bang Fam. Exactly, <laughs> on the recommendation of Bang Fam. It got handballed over and, of course, I went, oh, well, okay, sure. <laughs> something that lots of people are watching at the moment. It's called The Tinder Swindler. Oh, my God. Thank you to Sosafina who basically said, I hope Miff and Zan are banging on about this this week and mm. you know exactly what we are into because this is a Netflix doco about a guy who calls himself Simon Leviev, uh, real name Shimon Hayut. He's an Israeli con man who has leached tens of thousands, maybe even millions of dollars from women who believed he was a diamond mogul's son. Mm. Where to begin with the tinless swindler? Tinless swindler? Tinless swindler. <laughs> I'm like fiddler on the roof of this, aren't I? It's really hard. Tinder swindler. The tinder swindler. Tinder swindler. Um, where to begin with this? This is turn it into a musical. Exactly. <laughs> the end. The end. Done. Done. Oh, it's, this is horrible. This documentary is horrible, and I don't even still know how he did it. Because but so watchable. It's so watchable at the same time. It's like salacious, and you know, there's money, glitz, and glamour. Um, but he's stealing money. He's wooing women, beautiful, well-educated, smart women. He's wooing them, but he's also taking them for all they're worth mm. by saying that the his um, his enemies are coming for him. He can't, they've frozen his bank accounts. He can't use his money. So he's just sort of stealing like not big amounts initially but 10,000, 20,000. They're pretty decent amounts. But they're decent amounts for someone who's not wealthy. Yeah. That's a lot of work and that's a lot of girlfriends for the lifestyle he was living. That's what I was thinking. Was like, the best. I was like, how long can you keep this up for? Yeah. It's a kind of Ponzi scheme too. If, if you haven't seen it, we're not going to give away any spoilers, um, but basically, you know, the the way that he pays for his lifestyle is that one duped woman is paying for his spending on the next. So when I saw the way that it was set up, I was just like, you know, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Where does this begin and how does he put himself forward as this billionaire diamond mogul's son mm. at the beginning when he has no money because you see where he grew up and he doesn't come from wealth. How does he begin 
and show him self-prove himself to these women to make them believe that mm. he's living this lavish lifestyle because we come in at the point where he's being taking these women on private jets and staying at the Four Seasons and all mm. kinds of stuff. It's just like I, th- I feel like I have and I know a lot of other people have way more questions than were answered by this documentary. <laughs> I know, I know. It, it, yeah, it just made me really feel sad when I was watching it, just going, what inspires somebody to do this to to others? Yeah. Surely the skill of being a con con person. You'd have to be a sociopath. He's got to be a sociopath. But why would you just choose this path? Put your sociopathy into some other avenue where it's not actually... He's obviously very good at it. Hurting people. Like, imagine if he used that for good. Like, no, I mean, not sure. You, I'm uh, trying to think of how, how his you could skills could pivot good. Yeah. But, but surely there are some skills there, but... Oh, it's it. It just made me so sad because I think he genuinely seemed like quite a nice person to these women. Yeah, and then I was thinking, oh, how easy is it? You know, like well, that's the slippery slope, if, isn't it? How if, do these women fall if for you it? Just, well, you do because you you, you just do because you think someone's nice. You think the best of people, and you until you work out that they're a sociopath. But like he also guy. goes for the you know the vulnerable, soft underbelly, the 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 weak points, which is what all people who exploit others do. They find the weak points and they exploit that. And he was obviously very good at that. Mm. I yeah. But the weak points are really big points for most people. That's the thing. You want. A partner. You mm. want you want to find somebody. I mean, you don't have to, but if you want that, you want to find someone who'll love you and accept you and can fly you on private jets. And, well, that would help, but you know, <laughs> but like they're really obvious points that I think when they're exploited, you're really kind of fucking with how we we behave as human beings. Because mm. like most people just want that. You just want a nice person in your life who can fly you on private jets. <laughs> No. <laughs> I saw a couple of people comment about the style of this documentary and um, someone said the music reminds me of an Apple ad, which is amazing. <laughs> but my boyfriend... Jeffy had the best Jeffy. call on this. Because <laughs> I was sort of watching it just on my computer um, in bed and he was kind of coming in and out and, and watching it in over the background and then towards the end, <laughs> this was his review. He's like, is this film just an animation of WhatsApp messages? No, and because <laughs> like, yes. we got all the WhatsApp messages, like you get the lot, you get the movies, everything. The movies are great, but like the texts, I'm not sure we really need to get into. Could have cut off about 40 minutes, I think. On too much WhatsApp. Too much WhatsApp. Get offline. How's your screen time, yeah. mate? <laughs> no. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, but oh, just his lifestyle looked exhausting, though, for not amazing return. Like $20,000 is not going to pay for you for more than a day or two if you you're always living jets. on the edge, aren't you? You're always living in this position where it's kind of like, you, you know, it could fall over at any moment. I could not do that. I no. couldn't I couldn't go, I couldn't be always walking that tightrope. It's too much. Yeah. Did you Google though afterwards? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and he's denying all of this, of course. Yeah. His current girlfriend, or at least she says they're just now friends, mm. is gone private on Instagram. Mm. Um, you can't really find a lot else online. I like the fact that uh, Cecilia and Penilla have become good mates. Yeah. Um, and Eileen is offline, but uh, someone online suggested that's because she's still hocking his wares on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably a few too many spoiler alerts in this, uh, isn't look, there? <laughs> I, I, I think you get the picture, though. They're, they're, we have given away too much, but you get the picture. One of his exes sold all his clothes because she because he'd already taken her to the cleaners for hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. It's, oh. And they were together for like almost a year. How do you be with someone for um, And no, lie. And lie that much but also be, oh, it's such, it's, 
it it just kind of blows my mind. Mm. And also, given I'm old and lazy, how could he be bothered? Like, <laughs> well, seriously, how could you be bothered? It just all of it. Miff's is, like con man, CBF. Yeah, <laughs> mate, just just relax. <laughs> Just relax. I think he was trying to. I know, but oh, it was just uh, <laughs> definitely worth watching. Two hours, mm, and he was a creep too. I love you, baby. Oh yeah, yeah, gross. Yeah, gross. But it works, you know. The tindler swindler. Su- <laughs> we're all suckers for it, aren't we? Because <laughs> you just want to have a nice time. Just want to be loved. Yeah, and it's not fair. Speaking of not nice, mm. did you hear that neighbours could be coming to an end? Oh, this is... Everybody needs good neighbours, Miff. What the fuck? <laughs> this is shocking. Uh, yeah. But I guess it's been, what, 32 30, seasons? 37, 37 years. years. 37 oh, years. Oh, my God. That's a long time. I grew up with neighbours, literally. That's right. And Toadie's been on for probably about 35 <laughs> of those. Um, I'm worried for Toadie, justice for Toadie. That's, that's all I'm going to say. Uh, yeah, it's been canned because Channel 5 in the UK, which is basically its backer, I can't imagine, you know, a lot of the funds would come f- from an Australian angle, maybe some of them, but England is is where the coin's at. That's the market. And they've backed out. And unless another channel in the UK picks it up, which they could because daytime TV is, is very popular mm. still. And, and they need people to fill the pantos at Christmas. That's right. Who are they going to get to do the it's behind you if... <laughs> If Madge and Harold aren't there. Oh, okay. I know. I know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's uh, it's a little sad because I never watched it, well, especially recently. I, I probably haven't watched it for 20 years. But just knowing it's there, it's like a comforter. And it was actually like, I mean, it w- wasn't just a part of my childhood and I know it was the same for you. I was way more of a neighbour's girl than a home and away. Me too. Girl. I don't know if that's like a... I would be interested to know if Bang Fam, depending on where you're from in Australia, if it makes a difference because we grew, both grew up in Melbourne. Mm. Suburban life was very much us and li- living near the beach was not really my identity. So maybe that's something. But um, I was Erin's birth through and through. Mm. But it also, if you think about the kind of people that got their start on Neighbours, it was a massive launching pad and a great place where, it, not work experience, but a great place to actually like really hone your chops. People yeah. like Guy Pearce and, and Russell Crowe, of course, Kylie Minogue, Margot, Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie, yeah. They all started on Neighbours and it's been this huge kind of push off point to, as many people in the industry have said, kind of give them the, the discipline that a lot of as actors really benefit from. Mm. And of course, we've got, gotten to see those people in their very early days. Yep. Um, so it, it will be a loss. I don't know if there's any other shows that, that do that. I guess the soap opera is not so much of an Australian fascination anymore. Mm. And there certainly doesn't seem to be as much of a budget for it or, no. or a hunger for it here in Australia. ABC TV did The Heights, which was the first soap opera that the ABC and had done. that was done. really good. It's fantastic. Yeah. But other than that, there's really not much of it around at the moment. So I'm not sure about the future. Like you say, that, that sort of culture of soap operas and daytime televisions is far stronger in the UK. Yeah. It, it's sad because the industry needs kind of things like this as a backbone to keep it moving. Yeah. People need jobs. That's the other thing. And also everybody needs good neighbours. Exactly. Thank you. Nice <laughs> Sorry, time. I couldn't resist. <laughs> the other big news that came through this week was the Oscar nom nom noms. Mm. We love a bit of Oscar nom nom nom. Well, we usually do, but this year I've looked at the list and gone, oops, I haven't watched any of these movies. But that's made me realise that I need to get on to, I think in a few cases, a few streaming services. I noticed that too and I reckon that in the last year, we've talked to this about this before, about these kind of fractured 
um, ability to pay attention and we will gladly rip through whole seasons of TV shows, but two-hour movie, no thanks. And I reckon that we're just not our, our movie-watching habits, particularly when we're now more and more watching movies at home because mm. we can't go to the cinema or just people just don't do the cinema anymore, have become fractured. I've stopped watching movies. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't saying. know what's I'm wrong saying. with me and, and I, I don't love know movies. Why. Me too, but I looked at this list and I, I want to see so many of them. I mean, West Side Story's in there. Why have I not seen this? It's supposed it's to be really good. It's supposed to be amazing and yet I haven't gone to see it. It's one of my favourite musicals, mm. you know. I've just gone, oh, no, I can't be bothered. <laughs> um, and I know you've seen The Crush Pizza and Paul Thomas Anderson is one of my favourite filmmakers. Very good. You in, would love that too. In the world. And I would love it. And I just, oh, no. <laughs> What's wrong with me? What's happened? But Love Island, <laughs> sign me up for 10 hours. Maths. <laughs> 74 hours a week. I'll, I'll dip into about 50 of those. That's fine. Like what? The, what is going on? What is, what's changed? There's some sort of neural pathway change going on in my brain, I think. That's everyone. Our attention spans are just way more fractured. It's mm. happening to everyone. And even, you know, Memory and attention span, all of that stuff I think has been fractured for a long time because of the way that we consume media, but mm. also just the pandemic has upset that as well. Like mm. we're kind of scattered. Everyone's feeling scattered. Like June, I love a dystopian mm. future movie. Love it. Nah, I'm just not going to go. Like it's it's weird. There's some things that I've been waiting to see at the cinema and I'm still being a little bit conservative about going back into closed spaces. I've been staying outdoors a lot. Yep. I told you that I saw Matrix um, which is not a good film, oh, but I, I saw it on Boxing Day. Because it's not on the list of best movies. <laughs> I'm so shocked. <laughs> but I saw it on Boxing Day um, and at an outdoor cinema and it was blowing a gale. Oh. It was like 18 degrees, so windy, and I was just rugged up and I was like that was because it was one of the few places <laughs> I could see an outdoor cinema. So, God damn it, I try to see movies, but June I really want to see on the yeah. big screen. There's God, certain the films that you want to see on the big screen. And it will look amazing. Yeah. And Timothy Shalalalalamay will look amazing. They'll all look amazing. But what am I doing putting it off? Power of the Dog leads the nominations. It was a good reminder as well, and I think this is the great takeaway for any time there is lists or nominations. It's a great reminder of things that you might have missed. Mm. Power of the Dog is on Netflix if you're a subscriber. It's a two-hour Western I still in won't watch it the vein of <laughs> Unforgiven and Shane. I'm a massive Western fan, and I know that a lot of people had differing opinions of this film, but I'm I love Jane Campion. This mm. is leading the nominations. So that that's gonna make me watch it. You know what my dad used to call Westerns? He loves them too. Mm. Yip nup giddy up. <laughs> <laughs> Are we gonna go and see the Yip Nup Giddy Ups? <laughs> well I am. Sign me up this weekend in my house. Yep nup giddy up. What are you banging on about this week? Oh um this is a little bit out of regular programming for me, but it was just something I wanted, been wanting to listen to for a while because it's such a cute idea for a podcast. And I think it, it's, it's, it leads into a conversation that's outside of, of normal conversation starters. And it's um, Grace Dent, who I adore, who's an English TV presenter and writer. She's a food reviewer for The Guardian. Mm. She's MasterChef, you know, the, 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 the woman on MasterChef in the UK. And I read her book recently and I just, I just love her. I love the way she speaks. Um, anyway, she's done this podcast called Comfort Food. Oh, bring so it she on. she talks to people about the comfort food that they go to. Yes. And it's a really nice way, like I listened to the Guy Garvey one, it's a really nice oh, he's got way. a beautiful voice. He's got a beautiful voice too. So if you just want to like sort of roll around in some some gorgeous sounds, but also ideas of 
family and and connection and and quite often we do these sort of things like you your beautiful podcast is about connections through music and this is also connection through food they're really primal very sensory yeah. sensory memories yeah and but also really funny because like guy gov is talking about something that's got sounds absolutely horrific you know well, I would eat <laughs> um, but it leads on to great conversations like here's this warm tuna and cheese with corn in it on toast or something and oh it's that's called, like a tuna melt bring yeah, it on delicious that yeah. sounds freaking delicious whereas yeah. you know mine would be um, continental pasta and sauce uh, fettuccine alfredo yeah. from the packet. Like, you know, that's when I was in England, when I lived in England, that was the one thing I missed. It yes. wasn't Vegemite, it was that. Yeah. And I made people bring it over because it couldn't get this. It just didn't taste the same in the UK. And it's weird things like that that just make you go, oh, we're so connected to what we put in our our ears and what we put in our tummies and what we, like, it, it it evokes so much for us and sometimes it can be a really simple topic like that that'll kick it off but it just it was just a lovely listen. I love that idea. That's such a great idea for mm, a podcast. Yeah. Are I, you really hungry after you listen to every episode? I uh, yes, yes I am. <laughs> and you won't know half the people on it because they're UK identities, but it sort of doesn't really matter. Yeah, I think like any great conversation there's so much that you can relate to with food and music that it doesn't matter necessarily mm. if you know the person or not because all that stuff resonates. Yeah. Because we, we can see ourselves in it too, you know. What would be your comfort food? I'm what, trying to think actually. What do you go to when you're like, um, say, you know, feeling a little bit empty of heart or hollow of heart but also and maybe a little bit sad and sort of maybe, you know, a bit seedy? What do you go? What's your go-to? Probably Maggi two-minute noodles. Ah, uh, yes. A little bit of Maggi. But chicken? T- chicken? T- tomato. Which what? Is, yeah. <laughs> You absolute weirdo. <laughs> Who eats that? Me. You are the only person in the world. <laughs> no. That's my story, Mick. I can't look at it's you. It's my story. You eat, imagine the tomato. <laughs> what? I love tomatoes. It's not even tomato. That's just like noodles and tomato sauce, surely. Bank fan will back me up. I know no, there's, I know there's some magic no, no, two-minute no, noodle for tomato no fans. No one eats it. I've never heard of anyone say that in my life. Cassie, our bang babe, is just shaking her head and looking disappointed. Not angry, just disappointed. But see how see how you can learn things about people. I don't, I'm not entirely. Has your sure. opinion changed? I'm not me? entirely sure what I've just learned about you, Zan. But I know that you, if you went to a drinks fridge now, you might not choose a bog standard drink. You'd go for a, a main brand, but you'd probably get it in a colour blue. <laughs> And you might not like it as much, but at least you try. And I like that about you. I like that about you. I'm give a psychoanalyzing yeah. my comfort food choices. I appreciate that. Um, what are you banging on about? I'm banging on about Pam and Tommy. Oh! Which we spoke about when it was first announced because this is a new miniseries that is directed by Craig Gillespie, who's an Australian director. He's the guy who did I, Tonya. He directed yep. Lars and the Real Girl. Cruella, which was brilliant. Okay. Um, Also did a few episodes of United States of Tara. So all kind of promising in terms of particularly telling stories of strong female characters. And I think that last year when we talked about this, we were a little bit dubious about because well, someone, someone's trauma being relived yes. on the screen, isn't it? I mean, Pammy never, Pammy and Tommy never agreed to it. Yeah. And for her, it's been quite detrimental in terms of people accepting her as anything other than that that woman. Yeah. The porn woman. And the commodification of, as you say, of of someone else's life and someone else's very intimate Mm. life. I've only watched one episode, I will say that, but I'm so hooked in. (laughs) So it it does, the the story kicks off, it's around the uh, tradesperson, a carpenter, who... um, steals the sex tape, doesn't realise he's stealing a sex tape. He just What does he think he's getting? He's stealing a whole safe. 
because ah. Tommy Lee is a total prick and hasn't paid him for his work. Oh, okay. So, or, I, I'd forgotten and again, that. it's not a documentary, but no, um, the story is giving me a bit more of a context as to why he did what he did. And it taps into, again, much like Licorice Pizza, that whole San, San Fernando Valley um, explosion of porn and that industry and they're all living there and how this helps it take flight and I don't know there's a lot going on but um, Seth Rogen is quite amazing in this role. Lily James as Pamela Anderson is quite phenomenal. Mm. The guy that plays Tommy Lee I know what you're gonna ask. Okay. Go on. What am I gonna in the book Tommy Lee's penis <laughs> was a character in the book. What do you Tommy mean Lee... like a character? Like it had its own voice. No. Yeah, it's like well, his, you said. Texted that to me the other day when I was talking was about talking. it. You didn't say it had a voice. Yeah, I'm pretty sure his penis had, was talking and to him. <laughs> Are you talking that, about the dirt? Yeah. Oh God, I feel. I like, must have blocked that out. I know. I must have blocked that out too. But I feel like that's what happened. So is this? Does it come up in the TV series? Look, I'm not sure. One can only hope. Mm. Maybe I've only watched the first episode. <laughs> <laughs> it does feature. Um, quite prominently in many scenes. Oh, really? It's hard to miss it really, Miff, that's all I'll say. (laughs) Is this um, on par with another fabulous television series that came out last year called Sex Life? Is it on par with that? (laughs) I'm not looking into you you in the eyes (laughs) as we talk about it. Oh, when you told me and I just went straight forward to Uh, the bit in the the scene. Is it it kind of one of those moments where you just... um, There's some elephant uh, vibes going on. (laughs) I'm embarrassed even asking it. You're literally not looking at me. I'm a dirty old woman. I obviously need to go um, straight back in. It is worth watching Pam and Tommy. (laughs) I think it's on Disney+. Plus. So are you going to watch it? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Of course I will. All right, we'll reconvene next week. I can't watch a movie, but I will watch that. Hopefully I'll see you back at my house and not regressing back <laughs> to my actually, parents. I actually like it here. Yeah, it's nice. Thanks, Mum and Dad. Yeah, thank you. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Bang. 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 You've been listening to an ABC podcast. You can discover more ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.